Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Uh, This morning, I don't have lengthy notes. People that know me know that I usually come loaded with a sermon pre-written, but I just want to share from my heart as a minister here at Court Church, as a pastor, uh, and also as a worshiper and a, and a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want to share something that I believe that God is doing and that God is, is about to do in his people that is going to be profoundly, uh, profoundly, it's going to be significant uh, in the lives of God's people. There's a shift coming. There is, there's a move of God. There's a touch of God that is coming to his people. Uh, I don't know fully what all that means, but I do know that there, the landscape is going to be altered drastically for the church. And there's going to be a renewal of passion for the lost, a renewal of passion to surrender and to dedicate and to live a life fully for the purposes of God. I believe that in this moment of shaking, in this moment of instability, that God is doing something that is, that is directed towards his people, that is directed for his church. There is a shaking that is happening for a purpose, and it is to awaken his people, and it is to touch his people, and it is to empower his people to reach this world and to share in the interests of God's heart and to make that our mission and to make that our focus and to live a life that is focused on eternity. This last week, I can't tell you just how the Holy Spirit has been drawing my heart uh, and, and radically changing in my ideas even about my own life and about my own, the, the purposes to, to why I'm here uh, as a minister, as a believer, as a worship, as a worshiper. And I've been challenged. I was sharing with Pastor Patrick there, and I'm not being dramatic, but I have been challenged by the Holy Spirit, uh, waking up at night, uh, sensing God's presence, um, God's putting a, a burden in my heart uh, to preach the gospel and to make disciples of men. Like I, I don't remember a time in my life where uh, I, I felt such a compelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I say that with all sincerity. There's a stirring happening. There's a stirring that is happening in the body of Christ. And it's not just with ministers. It's just not, it's, it's not with people that, are, that we think that have a calling, but it is all those whom God has laid his hand on, all those whom God has raised up, all those that have a heart for worship, a heart to serve God, uh, those that have been brought out of darkness. God is doing something, and he is stirring something, something we've longed for, something that we've not been able to achieve in our own strength, something that, is, that, that will affect the landscape of our communities, 
and our life in God. And I just had a glimpse of it, but I just want to share with you what I believe uh, that the Lord is doing. And I've titled the message uh, from Song of Solomon. Uh, I think I've spoken out of this verse uh, or out of Song of Solomon once in 25 years of ministry or pulpit ministry. So that tells you how often I go to this book for a source for preaching. But it's so real and, and, and it's so accessible uh, to us when we read these passages of scriptures and it's so relatable. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to relate something to us that we can all understand uh, through this book. But I've titled this message, and I, and I feel like the, the Lord has given it to me, Shaken, Stirred, and Surrendered. Um, and we're going to go into Song of Solomon chapter 5. That's where we're going to jump off from, from the middle of the book. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to talk a little bit about this book because it's not... As I said, it's not a go-to book for preachers. It's, it's one of those books of poetry and wisdom uh, that you, you don't really spend a lot of time in, uh, particularly because it's, it, it is along the line of a lot of imagery, a lot of uh, you know, poetry. As I said, it's a song. It's, it's called the Song of Solomons, but the Hebrews called it the Song of Psalms. This, and, and what it means is this the ultimate song. This is... The, the ultimate song to be sung. And, and that's fitting because it's about love. God is love. And so this is a song of love. It's the ultimate song. That's the title that God has given it. And God has put it in Scripture for us. And all Scripture is giving for inspiration, for correction, for doctrine, for reproof. And, and God has put this book in there. Now, a lot of people grapple with it. And uh, they wonder why it may be there. But I, I believe... Uh, firmly that there is a there there is a clarity to why God put this book in there because it's very relatable when you begin to understand what God is saying through this book. This book is in particular written maybe by Solomon. It refers to him in it, but it's written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit by whoever the author is uh, about the love of a man and the love of a woman. And it's this conversation, it's these songs that they sing, the man sings to the woman, and the woman sings back to the man, and there's, there's these, these friends that are involved in that, and they're sharing in, in this love affair that blossoms uh, between this man and a woman. Uh, that's on the natural side. But this book speaks of higher things than a love relationship between a man and a woman. Uh, and, and that's why it's here in the Word of God. It's placed there. Uh, yeah, and, and it's wonderful. It's nice to read if you like poetry. But it's placed there uh, because it's speaking of higher things. It's speaking and it's using uh, this shadow play between the love of a man and the love of a woman, the love of a bridegroom towards his, towards his bride uh, as a, as, uh, to, to reveal something higher, to reveal something of God's heart. And, and this is the song of the bride. This is the song of the church. And it's also, uh, it's, it's her song for the bridegroom. And it's also the song of the bridegroom for his bride because they're both singing. It's not one-sided. So both are singing to one another uh, if, if you study this book. And, and the flow of this book is this great love story. Uh, it, you know, it would actually make 
a great movie. Uh, it, would, it would stand for, for, for great cinema if, if someone developed it. Uh, but this, in this great love story, there's this poor servant girl. She's beaten down. She feels used. She feels burned out. Um, you know, you get that in chapter one. You read it there. She's, she talks about how, you know, how she's worked outside in, in manual labor, taking care of other people's vineyards, almost like a serf. Um, she's, she's worn out. Uh, you know, she feels like she doesn't have much value, but she catches the eye of a wealthy landowner, a prince, as it were, a, a, a Jewish prince among his people, and he pursues her. He sees something in her. He sees a beauty in her, in, in, in her labor. However, you know, as he's out uh, surver- surveying his land, maybe perhaps she works on one of his, in one of his vineyards that he owns, but she, he is there, and he sees her, and he looks past all of, of her labor. He looks past all of the things that, that other people might look past, and he falls head over heels in love with her. And this romance, it blossoms and it grows, and uh, he takes her from this, this role uh, where she was serving and brings her into this place of honor and begins to speak to her things that she's never heard before begins to love her like she's never been loved before. Uh, they're getting married, and she's, she's given uh, this lavish home. She's invited into this new lifestyle, uh, and she is put there. And in that place of love, in that place of being brought out of servanthood, uh, she is this... this man out of his love begins to put into her and and speak into her life. And through that relationship, she's transformed. And through that relationship, she's given what she never had. She's spoken to and cared for like she's never been cared for. And this transformation starts to take place in her life. And she's brought into this place of intimacy into this place of commitment uh, by this man, and, and she's brought into this kingdom, as it were, and he is lavishing his love on her, and she has nothing but love in response to him. And you get that in the, in the first, first few chapters. She's brought to a banqueting table. There's a banner that's put over her life this love declaration of the husband. She says, he brought me to his banqueting houses and his banner over me is love. He's written over me love. He's, he's, he has brought me in, transformed me, taken me out of servanthood and slavery. He's invested in my life. And there now is this declaration over me uh, that I'm loved, that I'm cared for, that I'm now, uh, I'm now uh, part of a new kingdom. And she's taken on this, trans- this transformative journey from burned out and trodden down uh, to this beautiful bride and wife, and she's given the run of his wealth. She's given this place of honor, and, and she's brought into this place of security and wholeness and blessing. And the song follows their relationship uh, from that place of newness, 
uh, and blessing into a depth of maturity and the sharing of deeper things that are, that are on the bridegroom's heart and mind. So he's taken her from this place of, of servanthood, purchased as it were, uh, you know, uh, he loves her, brings her out, brings, him, brings her home, weds her, speaks to her, bedecks her in glory and gifting and speaks over her life, sings over her life. And, and she's taken from this banqueting hall into this deep intimacy uh, where she shares with him uh, her heart and he shares with her her heart, his heart. And, and she's taken from the beginning out into the banqueting hall, into this place of intimacy, into a bedroom and a life with him until finally you get into chapter 8 where she is actually, you find her in his vineyard with him with interest in his harvest and interest in his kingdom. So she, she comes from this place of servanthood and slavery into this place of joining him where his heart is and working with him in his vineyard. So you see this progression through this song. So she's been transformed from peasantry and servitude uh, into this new relationship. And it's an obvious parallel of the life of God's people. It's a parallel of what happens when any man is in Christ or any woman is in Christ. We are transformed. We're taken from a place of slavery where we are serving things that destroy us and break us down uh, from that place of, of serfdom. And we are translated out of that and brought into a new kingdom. And there we hear a new voice. And there we receive a new name. And there we're sat at a banqueting table. And there we, we enjoy depths of intimacy and worship and fellowship with the Son of God. And we're brought into a kingdom, and he shares his kingdoms and his resources with us. And we're taken from that place of degradation to the, to, into the banqueting halls, as it were, of heaven. And he sits us at a table. There's a song being sung over us. There's a banner hanging above us that says we are loved. And we're, we're, we're taken into the comforts of intimacy and fellowship with him and personal connection. And, and in that, he begins to share something with us. Not only his heart for us, but his heart for his vineyards, his heart for his world, his heart for, uh, for his harvest. And, and, and as he does that, as he begins to share with us his burden for the world that he created and the vineyards that he wants to be dressed and the harvest that he wants to be harvested, we begin to join with him uh, in this intimacy and in this relationship, in his interests and in seeking his interests, seeking the things that, are, that touch his heart and bless his heart, no longer just feeling like the focus of his attention. We are now sharing his heart for those around us. We begin to share something of the heart of God when we see people that are broken, when we see people where we were, serving things that destroy us, that keep us so far from him, we begin to see as he sees, and we begin to see the potential of, of, of another one brought in. 
We begin to feel his love for those that are without, and we want to work with him to draw them in and to tend to his harvest. And that's the progression, and this is our story. This song is our song. This story is our story. It's about our worship. It's about our fellowship. It's about all that he's given to us, and it's about where he wants to take us. It's our testimony. And so just given that background, we're going to jump right now into the middle of the book. We're just going to jump right into the deep end, into chapter 5, because this is where I feel that the Holy Spirit is speaking right into where we are. You know, when you, when you study this book, you see the beauty of the beginning and you see the glory of the ending. But it's when you come into the middle of this love affair, into this relationship, uh, you dive into, right into something uh, that, that is a work of God in this woman's life, in his bride's life, of transitioning from this place of, of receiving and growing and being comforted by all the graces of God, all the influences that he put us in this place and transitioning us from chapter four so that we can be in chapter eight with him. But there's this, there, we jump into chapter five and it is a place of transition where he is gonna take her now from this place of being his, the object of his affection, pouring his love on her, building her up, comforting her, giving her a security, putting resources in her life, to taking her into his world, taking her back to the world that she came out of so that she can share his interests there and that she can work with him there in his interests. And so chapter 5 is that transitory time where she has been lavished with love. She has been poured into. She has been uh, doted on. She has enjoyed banquets and feasts and songs and banners and intimacy. And now he comes to her and he is looking now to take her further in a relationship in the middle. In, in this place in her life where he saw, now it's time. Now it's time for her to move from the banqueting halls. It's time for her to move from the intimacy of worship and being loved and doted on to she really begins to share his heart, to where she really begins to take on his interests. And it's a deeper place of intimacy because now the focus is no longer about her and, and, and what she needs, but it's about his heart and, and, and what really uh, motivates him and, and what drives him. And so she begins, to, she begins to transition from this place of receiving into this place of giving with him and going out with him in that security. And it's a difficult transition it's a difficult transition. And I believe this book speaks into our personal walk with God. I believe that there is a time in our lives where we transition from chapter 4 into chapter 8, where we, where we come into a chapter 5 moment where it stops being about us. It stops being about receiving fully everything that he has for us and, 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 and uh, 
in that place of worship and the focus is in, in him depositing everything into us to where we begin to change and transition into uh, sharing his heart for others. That happens in every believer's life. I was thinking about it this past week about the word discipleship and, and, and really what that means and really what that call is to the believer. It's this call to go with God and move with him in his interest and, and to start to, to shift the focus of our, out of our own needs and out of our own insecurities and away from all of the glories that we've received and we start to share his heart for the broken. We start to share his heart for the world around us and we start to move in a different direction where we become a disciple where we become more focused on him and his desires than our desires and what we need. And here in chapter 5, somewhere in the middle, there's this shift, there's this turn, and, and there's this trouble as it is in paradise. Because this man knows, this man knows where he wants to take her. This groom wants to take her further than a banqueting table and enjoying a, a well-built home and all the resources that go with it. He wants to take her further than a bedroom experience where they're sharing intimacy and there's fruitfulness there. He wants to take her to a place where she begins to share his interests and touch the world around her. And it's in this place where she's taken from these comforts in chapter 5 and the consolation of that bedroom into the world that he cares for. So this is where we get, this is where we come to for the next 10, 15 minutes. Follow with me. We're going to look at verse 1. They've enjoyed up until this point great intimacy, great blessing. There's this love. There's all these riches. There's all these things happening. And the man begins to speak to her, and <clears throat> this is what he says, I've entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather myrrh with my spices and eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. Young women of Jerusalem, and this is her speaking, oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me, my treasure. Open to me, my darling. Open to me, my love, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. So he comes, she's asleep basically at home in, in this portion of scripture. She's enjoying the comforts and the rest that he's provided for her. And he comes and he interrupts her sleep. And he, and he speaks to her, he says, my head is drenched with dew. I've been out in the night. And if you read on a little bit further, it says that he's been out in his harvest. He's been out in his vineyards. He's been walking the night watches. He's been out there away from home, and, and he, he, he wants to take her now into that same place, into that same heart that he has. And, and, and she responds to him. He says, I want you to open the door. I, I want to speak things to you. I want to share my heart with you from where I've been. 
there's some things I want to speak to you now. I've spoken to you about how much I love you. I've spoken to you how much I care. I've poured into your life. I've given things to you that you didn't have before. And now I want to share my heart with you. I've been making the night rounds. I've been walking in darkness. And there are needs that are there that you don't know about. I've hidden them from you, but now it's time for you to hear. It's time for your comfort to be disturbed, that you begin to hear and you begin to feel what I feel. The cries that I hear, the pain that I see, the harvest that is waiting there, that there are no laborers. There aren't enough laborers to gather in. I want to share this with you. And he begins to awaken her. But listen to what she says. But I responded, I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? My, tri my lover tried to come to the door. He tried to unlatch the door. And my heart was thrilled. I jumped up to open the door, which was locked from within. It wasn't, so, he, so he was trying to get to where she was. And she jumps up. And as she's expecting him to come in the way that he has done probably thousands of times, hundreds of times before. And she goes for the door and she opens it. And it says, my fingers drip with lovely myrrh as I pulled the bolt. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. Now before he had come in, before he would open the door, he would come in, but he was wanting her to come to where he was, and she wasn't willing. She said, I made a mistake. I, I, I had a wrong response. There was something in my heart. You know, I was in this place of comfort. I was in this place of security. I had been washed. I had been cleansed. You came knocking at the door, and I couldn't move. I was, I was too comfortable. And when I got up, you were gone. And my heart sank. I searched for him, but I couldn't find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no, no reply. Here in the middle of all of this banqueting and all of her intimacy, all of her contentment and all of her comfort, there's this call that comes from the darkness to her heart. And, and she moves and, and opens to go to where he is, and she is shaken. She's shaken. This encounter shakes her because this isn't what she was used to. This isn't what, that, that this wasn't anything that she had known before. And, and it shakes her. She says, I was, my heart sank. I started looking for him, and I couldn't find him. I called to him. And there was no reply. And, and brothers and sisters, when, when Jesus, as it were, when the bridegroom came to speak to her, there was something that he was after. There was something that he was after in their relationship, and she couldn't hear it. She couldn't hear it. So he awakens her. You see, I believe that it was his heart. He knew where she had, he knew that she had gotten comfortable. And so he had to speak into her life and awaken her out of her slumber. There was something that had gotten into her heart and he knew it. And so, and, and 
you hear it in her response, I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? In other words, she had become so comfortable in the house of God. She had become so comfortable in their relationship that, that she wasn't willing to move when he said move. She had, she had come to this place of complacency. And so he comes to shake her out of her complacency. And folks, I believe with all of my heart that what we see happening in the world today is what we find in chapter five. I believe for a large part that the church is asleep, that the church is, has heard and, and has been at the banqueting table has heard these comforting words and, and, and lived and dwelt in that, and the bridegroom comes. And I think that's what we, we see happening now. I think that, that God is shaking things up so that he gets our attention because we've become complacent. We've, we've, we've come into this place where it's been all about us. It's been about the banners. It's been about the singing. It's been about the comfort. It's been about all those things that he could give to us. And there are deeper things in God's heart that he wants to share with us than more things than just about what he has to say about us personally. There are things that God wants to give to us. There are things he wants to share with us that he must awaken us to the realization to. And I think that is part of the heart of God and what's happening in the world, that there is a shaking going on. Because we are, we are living in a time and a season where the church ha has built this, this, this life around comfort, this life about, it's all about what God says about me and what God can do for me. And, and we sing the songs, we make the banners, we enjoy the banqueting table, but how many people are really sharing the heart of God? How many people walk out of our worship services and care about people enough to lay their life down for other people? And this, when, as I began to think about this, it really started to penetrate my heart. And I said, God, I need to be shaken. I need you to wake me up. I need you to start to speak to me things that maybe I've forgotten I need you to shake things up. And I believe God shakes things up because the landscape needs to change in our life. Anytime God shakes anything, anytime God changes anything, it's because he sees that there is a need for it. And there is a need for the landscape in the church in all of our lives to shift from a focus about what God can give us to what we can offer God in pursuing his pursuits in his kingdom and becoming those kingdom-minded disciples, taking the riches that God has put in, into us and beginning to distribute them into the world and beginning to share his heart for the lost. There is this call that comes, this shaking that wakes us in the night and says, I want you to wake up. I want to speak to you about the cries that I hear. I want to speak to you about those that don't know me. I want to speak to you about a world that is out there that is lost and that doesn't know me. I want to share my heart with you. 
and, and she wakes up and she's absolutely shaken to the core. And folks, I want to tell you, over the past week, God has been shaking me to the core. God has been shaking loose some things in my life that need to be shaken. And this is a good shaking. This isn't a rebuke. This is, this is taking us from one place to another. This is God coming in and shaking us to a reality that, oh my goodness, he called for me to come and I didn't move. I was so comfortable. I was so enjoying the worship. I was so enjoying the word. Oh, there's another good message. There's another uplifting sermon. I was enjoying all of those things, but I couldn't care less about my neighbor that was dying and going into a lost eternity. I need him to come and shake my heart. I need him to come and do something. Who am I to turn him away when he comes and he wants to share his heart with me? Who am I not to listen when he comes and he wants to take me to a place where I'm moving in the direction that he wants me to go, where there's a, a sea of lost humanity, where there is a harvest that is right? My God, shake me. Shake me. How dare I say to the Lord, you've washed me, you've cleansed me, I'm comforted here. Go and talk to someone else about souls. I don't want to listen, but keep telling me how much you love me. Keep telling me how much grace you've given me. God, help me. Shake off those things in my life that don't cause me, that keep me from hearing your voice for a world that is lost. Dear God, speak. Shake those things in my life that, that keep me bogged down in petty, foolish arguments that keep me resentful, that keep me looking at the faults of men and this thing and that, that they keep me not walking in the power of God, not living in a life of the Spirit, but keep me bound in my foolishness. God, shake me. God, do something in my life. Begin to show me your heart. Begin to one more time stir me to live as a disciple, to pick up my cross and begin to follow you into places I may not really want to go. But God, because it's your heart, I want to go there. Because it's your love for them, I want to share it. Because it's in your mind and it's in your heart and it's in your plan to reach people. God, shake off anything in my heart that would keep me living in comfort. And I believe the Lord's doing it. I believe there's a shaking going on. She was shaken. He's not there. He's gone. Where'd he go? The presence I enjoyed. The words that he spoke to me. It's gone. It's evaporated. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about dry, living in dry places and the victory. That comes. There's a dry place that comes into our lives when we are unwilling to go where God wants us to go. There's a, there's a dryness that comes into your soul when you're unwilling to share the heart of God for a lost humanity where the focus is me. My goodness, how many songs do I have to sing about what God thinks about me before I start to think about others who don't know him? God, shake us. Shake your people. Shake my heart to see that I've got one shot at this. I've got one life to live. I've got one direction to go in, and that's towards a kingdom that shall not end. God, shake things that need to be shaken in my life. And thank God that shaking happened. Thank God he sent this into her heart and says, my goodness, I see now. I see this bedroom 
This banqueting hall is empty without his presence. The songs, don't, they don't touch me like they used to because his presence isn't here. And not only was she shaken and she began to awake to the reality that his heart was moving in a direction towards his vineyards and towards his kingdom. She was stirred. Hallelujah. She was shaken on that night and she was trembling and her heart sank. But she said, my goodness, what good is a banquet hall? My goodness, what is it? What good is a house that he's built without his presence in it? Without him here, it's nothing. And the Bible says she got stirred and she went to find him. And folks, I believe that in this shaking, you're going to have a bunch of Christians who realize, my goodness, Lord, I see now, I see, Lord, you are showing me things about this world in your heart and you are stirring me into deeper realities. You are stirring me to go where you want me to go, to live as a disciple, to live as a person who lays down their life for others. God, I see it. And this is what she said. She said, I got up and I went and I tried to find him. Hallelujah. I hope God shakes us enough that we individually are stirred enough that we start to move toward to where he is, not just singing about it. And I'm talking about myself. I'm not pointing a finger, but I hope that God shakes things in my life to the point where I say, God, I'm tired of singing about your deliverance. I'm tired of just singing about your grace and enjoying the banqueting hall and enjoying all those things. Lord, I want you to stir my heart to where I can move where you move and go where you go. I'm willing to lay it all down. I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to find you where you are. And thank God she did. The Bible says that she got up. Folks, some of us need to get up this morning. Sometimes, sometimes, and this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'll be done in just a moment. But he said, sometimes you're miserable because you've got one foot in your own, trying to do your own thing, and one foot going towards my kingdom. And you're torn. Some of us are the author of our own misery, and we don't even realize it. We think it's the pastor. We think it's the church. We think it's Pastor Patrick, Pastor Nick. We think it's everybody else, but we don't realize that we've got one foot planted in eternity, and we've got one foot going in our direction, and there is absolute misery. Folks, you want a solution to that? Go all in. Go all in for him. Begin to live for things that are higher, and those things that are lower, they begin to shrink. Those disagreements that you feel like you can't get over and those little petty things that you feel like you can't forgive, they begin to shrink and you find your heart forgiving. You find grace for other people. Begin to let God stir you. But as it says, she searched for him. She began this search. And she talks about she went to the city, the, the watchman finder. So she goes on this pursuit of him out of the comforts. And I believe that God has taken us out of the comfort so that we pursue him one more time. That there are people that live in this generation that are willing to say, you know what? What good? What good is my singing? What good is all, or all those promises if his presence isn't with us? If his grace isn't with me? What good is all of that? God, direct me to pursuit. And I'm going to close with this. Finally, as she looks for him, as she goes for him, as she is stirred out of her comfort, she comes to a place of surrender. And this is the point I believe that the, the Lord has taken us on. 
You look at Song of Solomon 7.10. She says this. She says, I am my lover's, and he claims me as his own. Come, my love. Listen to what she says. Come. Let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let's get up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened. God, let's go look at the harvest. I'm surrendered now. I'm not just interested in knowing you in the bedroom and at the banqueting table and enjoying other. Lord, I want to go where you are. I'm surrendered to your purposes. I'm focused now on your heart. I, I want to be where your heart is. I want to be with the broken. I want to be with the downcast. I want to be where the harvest is. Lord, I'm surrendered. And if you go into those verses there, right away, she finds them. He's there. She's surrendered. She's searching. She's looking. And then she finally says, I'll go where you want me to go. You want me in the vineyards? That's where I'm going to go. I'm going to find you. I'm going to look. And right away, he's there in front of her. And he begins to say, you know what? You, you, you know, your veil was torn, all these things. But when I saw you coming and searching and looking for me, I saw an army moving towards me. Hallelujah. Folks, if we could ever get that in our heart, if the church could be shaken, if we could, if we could be stirred to move towards the Lord, if we don't, we don't understand, when we begin to move in that direction towards eternity, we become an army. We become a people, a fierce force in this earth. When God's people stop thinking about themselves and say, God, I'm all in. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to be surrendered to your purposes. And there on out it says, he's there. She finds him. And those that are looking on says, there she is. Who is this that's coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Now she's found him and she's shared. Now, whether she's in the bedroom, the banqueting table, or in the harvest field, it doesn't matter. Her life is his now. And folks, I believe this is where the church is going. I believe this is what the Lord, into a place of surrender, into a place where we start laying down things that don't matter. Pastors that have faults against other pastors, we, those things start to fall apart. Those issues that we held so tightly to, we start to forgive. We start to realize, hey, what does it matter now? What does it matter? There's an eternity. There's a world out there that needs to see our love for one another. I want to surrender. I want to find him in the vineyard. It's a challenge today for you and for I, but it's not just a challenge. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart. If the worship team wants to come, I've went a little bit longer. That God is shaking and he is stirring to a place of surrender to where his people, his people will be about the Father's business. They will be about the purposes of God. I believe this with all my heart. I believe it. I, I, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me very deeply in my heart and in, in loving challenge and conviction, challenging me to rise to a place of focusing on souls and making disciples. Folks, that's the only thing you and I will take to eternity. You want men that write books, people that do great, you're, all of that's going to burn. All of that's going to go. The only thing you and I 
can invest in that's an internal investment or other people. And the Holy Spirit is speaking. He's going to put within us such a heart of surrender that we're going to, the main thing will be the main thing. And we're going to find a joy and a victory like we've never known before because we have surrendered to that call of full discipleship and giving our lives fully over to him. I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you, church. It's time to be stirred. It's time to, to not seek to be comfortable. It's time to ask God, show me your heart. Show me your heart. Shake those things that need to be shaken. Stir me, Father. Stir me, Lord, to a deeper surrender where I can begin to share your heart for the lost. Let's pray right now. Father, I come to you now and I'm praying for your body. I believe this is a prophetic word. I believe that, God, you spoke to me so clearly that, Lord, you are shaking and you are stirring for a greater surrender. <clears throat> so our focus, Lord, could come back to your heart our focus can come back to, Lord, the souls of men and giving up everything for that. To investing our lives into your kingdom with no turning back. Father, I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, only you can bring this word home. Only you can speak to individuals. But Lord, I believe this is what you're doing. I pray right now there'd be a soberness There'd be a turning, there'd be a stirring, and there'd be a surrender. Speak to your people, Lord, today. Speak to your people, Lord, and, and Lord, as we are stirred to move towards you, we hear the voice of the bridegroom, my goodness, I see an army, hallelujah. Fierce banners on the horizon, of a people that are stirred, of a people that want to share the heart of God, of a people that are broken for the broken, who weep for those who are weeping, who share a heart that wants to see people reconciled to God. I see them rising. I see an army rising of people that are stirred, heading towards surrender into the, the things that I have for them in this world to make a difference. Hallelujah. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move right now in our hearts. Shake what needs to be shaken. Stir us, and Father, to a place of surrender as your body and as your people, Lord, we share your heart. Hallelujah. Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours. Touch our heart for what touches yours. Fill our hearts to overflowing. Hallelujah. So we can be your vessels. We can be your bride. Leaning on our beloved. Hallelujah. Drawing men to you, Lord. I love you. Bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I think the worship team will sing a song here. Maybe Pastor Nick will close us out. Folks, God bless you. Let's pray in the, in the days ahead. God, shake, stir. Help me to surrender.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.